Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, and joined this evening by guest co-host Aaron Laxton. Welcome, Aaron. Hello. How are you, uh, Robert? I am great. I am great as I'm thrilled to have you on the show co-hosting with me tonight. Um, I think uh, it'll be a, a good twist, you know, since Jeremy uh, said farewell to the show last week. Um, uh, I wanted to have, you know, somebody on who had some spunk, so hello. <laughs> I have plenty of spunk. And, in fact, Jeremy <laughs> left a box of stuff for me uh, for the next uh, guest co-host. Um, and so, Jeremy, thank you for the box of wine that you left. Uh, I'm just going to set that aside, though. So we're not gonna. I'm not gonna drink that time. I'll save it for tomorrow. <laughs> oh lordy, lordy. So, um, I, I'm, you know, kind of interested. A lot of people have been emailing me asking me about what's going to happen with the show, what's going to go on, and um, I just wanted to kind of update everybody um, how it's going to work. We're gonna next week. Aaron is going to also guest co-host with me. We're going to have Dab Garner on. He's going to talk about Dab the AIDS Bear Project and uh, all the great things that Dab does, and 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 learn about some history that um, you know, some of us take for granted and, and really don't really pay attention to. Uh, our long-term survivors like Dab Garner really have a lot of history, and it's important that we remember our history because that's how we grow, knowing where we came from. So with that point, um, after uh, next week's show, we're going to take off the whole month of August, and we're going to come back with a fresh new show. I'm going to have uh, a new co-host. Um, in September, we're going to have fresh content, new format. It's going to be totally different. So mark your calendars. We're going to be coming back in September. Um, and I'm excited um, about the changes that are going to come because, um, uh, you know, we're going to grow and it's going to be important. And I think that the listeners are going to be more um, engaged and actually more uh, interactive coming up. So that's, you know, exciting to know. So, um, Aaron, how change, change is always Change is always good, so... Right, right. Change is always good. Or it can be, at least. How, how, how have you been? You know, I've been great. It's, uh, you know, it's been uh, really hot here in the Midwest, and uh, I'm, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, I think today we actually had a, a cold front that came through, and we were in the high 80s. So that's uh, the world that we're living in. I've been spending a lot of time at the pool and, um, you know, just working uh, my life away which is just the life we lead, right? 
Yeah, totally. It's funny. Um, some things have been uh, going on here in you know within the show, and um, it's kind of strange. Um, I, I've, a lot of people have been emailing me and and kind of thinking that me and Jeremy were really in a fight. Um, which kind of, I, I want to discuss just briefly that, you know, me and Jeremy are still bros, you know what I mean? Like, we're cool, so don't think that anything's going on. It was just kind of weird. I don't know why I wanted to talk about it, but I felt like somebody sent me a real nasty email. I guess they maybe only caught part of when Jeremy was joking about us fighting over salary or whatever, but I think it's ridiculous. So right. enough with that. So, so tonight we're going to have a great guest. We're going to have on uh, Butch McKay. He's going to talk about the Positive Living Conference that he has been putting on for 16 years. He's the founder. And he is a man who has been able to put a conference um, together that has, to me, it's the best conference that I've ever been to. Um, and I think it's incredibly well put together by an awesome organization, you know, in Florida. It's in Fort Walton Beach. It's coming up in September. And it really is for the positive person. I've been to other conferences, and it's more about statistics and policy and, and things of that nature, but this is more of like getting to know other people living with HIV and connecting with them and feeling not alone for the first time. Um, right. I know that you actually haven't been to this conference yet, have you, Aaron? I have not. I remember last year um, seeing your post and Jeremy's post um, after um, going to the conference, and I remember being very envious, uh, you know, the experiences that you all were sharing. So I'm very excited. Hopefully this year uh, I'll be able to work out with my schedule and go, um, and, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of cool people that can go, and I, I'm really excited tonight to uh, speak to Butch and find out, you know, all the details about this, because I think maybe there are some people out there that do not know about this amazing resource that um, exists for those living with HIV and those that are affected by HIV. Yeah, and usually this conference is put on in March, but because of funding issues, um, it, it was pushed back to September. So it's even a blessing that this is happening. Um, and I know that it's in desperate need of, you know, support financially from people. So if there are organizations out there or, or individuals who are, you know, a little well off and would love to be, you know, a hand in making something incredibly happen every year, you know, you should definitely contact Butch. I'm sure I'll put his information out uh, during the show and, 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 you know, make that donation. It's a, it's, I can't explain. It's changed my life. It allowed me to connect with other activists on a different level than, you know, just sitting in a room and hearing somebody speak about an issue. Um, it, it's, there's more of a personal connection, and I think that's what makes this conference great. And I think what's even incredibly awesome is that Butch is negative, and he continues this and does this for people living with HIV every year. And his, I can't wait. We're going to bring Butch on in a little bit, but I know there's a few uh, news headlines or, or articles that have been posted over, you know, the internet or the blogs or things like that that, that Aaron wants to discuss a little bit about. Aaron. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, this week has been a pretty exciting time in HIV. Um, the president, after his trip to South Africa, um, signed an executive order for the HIV Care Continuum Initiative. Um, this was done at the three-year um, anniversary celebration at the White House. As you might recall, um, our friends Chris uh, Ritchie and Scott McPherson were invited to the White House to celebrate that. But basically what this initiative does is it, explores the main reasons of, of how do we keep people retained to care 
um, and, and don't allow them to fall out of care. Um, there's a lot of speculation about how this is going to be paid for, but I, I do believe that it's a very, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction by the administration, who at times has, has maybe not been as um, devoted to HIV and AIDS without being too controversial as what they, you know, what the administration could have been or what a previous administration was. So that's pretty exciting. We've also had some new uh, findings that have been published on various news sources talking about the life expectancy of a person that starts on ARVs. We, now it looks as if they, um, it's around 71 to 72 years for a person who's diagnosed today um, that's 20 years old. So that's uh, really exciting. Um, and, wow. Uh, yeah. So, so, wait, so wait, slow that back, slow that back a little bit. The, the expected person, somebody who starts on ARVs, did you say it's 74 years? Yes, roughly. Now so, that's you know, incredible I mean, that's, because. No, go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, no, it is. You were going to call me Jeremy. It, you know, it, it, it was. Exciting, it you know? was. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, that's the thing that we we really have to hammer home to newly diagnosed patients. And I can think of myself, um, you know, I have friends and peers that are newly diagnosed that fit this age, you know, this age range. And so now the thing that people have to worry about that are newly diagnosed and going on ARVs is not the progression of HIV. It's actually um, systemic failure, such as kidney failure, heart failure, things like that. So this, this data just goes to support what we've been saying for years, and now we have some um, quantifiable evidence to support these um, these ideas. That's that's incredibly awesome, and um, it, it, it gives a lot of people hope. You know what I mean? Because people still consider this as a death sentence, and you know, hearing information like this allows the person living with HIV to realize they can have a normal everyday life and pursue things. And as we say at the show, our dreams aren't infected. And, and that article kind of agrees that we can now live a full life and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Medicine's only getting better. There could possibly be cures down the line, hopefully. Um, for, for all we know, I just think it's great to hear positive, no pun intended, news. Right. You know, and, and I think, you know, another, another and a more, uh, you know, um, a somber note, uh, there was a story that was published, I believe, about a 12-year-old who uh, passed away. Um, he, had, uh, he, he had been given a, uh, a bone marrow transplant, and the bone marrow transplant failed. Um, and I think the reason I bring this story up is it highlights that we're, you know, we're making progress in the right direction towards a cure, but that that cure, and there's always buzz whenever someone is, quote, unquote, functionally cured. Um, but we, we really have to caution ourselves, and I think this is what this boy, this 12-year-old boy, um, highlights is that we have a long way to go. And so that's why we have to really um, stick with, you know, advocacy, stick with lobbying, push our legislators and, pol and policymakers, and we cannot allow HIV and AIDS to be put on a back burner. And there was actually another article um, that was put out this week um, questioning, has the fight for marriage equality, has it derailed HIV and AIDS advocacy? I don't know. You'd be the judge of that. But, you know, we poured our all into marriage equality. Where is the advocacy for HIV and AIDS? Good question. 
Oh, they're good questions. So people can always call into the show this evening and uh, talk about those too and share your information um, at 347-215-9442. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring our guest on. Uh, I see him sitting on. Hopefully he's done his dinner by now. Uh, welcome, Butch McKay. Thank you. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And you? Oh, great. I'm so excited to have you back on. You know how much I love you and the conference and all the work that you all do down there. I think it's incredibly important. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure for me to, to be on your show because I feel like the people I care most about in life are the ones that are calling in and the ones that are listening each week to your program because they're concerned about what's going on and about the community and about each other. You know, we're all a family. Bush, this is Aaron Lanks, and I just have to uh, say, uh, you know, I, I was reading your bio before I came on the show, and I actually it kind of, I got choked up at reading it, and uh, maybe I'm just as sentimental as uh, Jeremy uh, is, but um, <laughs> a lot of the things that you are involved in, I'm involved in. Um, I am with the AIDS Clinical Trials Group, so a lot of the, the clinical aspects, and I'm also a case manager, although not with HIV. So I think, you know, your bio just reflects your passion for the work that you're doing. And so I just want to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. I, that what really stood out was that the, the best award that you receive are the personal messages on your office door thanking, uh, thanking you. Yeah, that's always been uh, something I'll treasure forever. And, uh, you know, it's just... You know, positive living just brings out the best in everybody, I think, and it just releases something in them that allows them to be free. It allows them to connect with other people that maybe prior to coming to the conference, they've never been comfortable doing that. And uh, so it is a unique environment and one that uh, means a great deal to me. And from the emails and the comments and, and that I get from everybody else, it that's the reason I fight so hard to keep it going because it means so much to so many people. And I uh, want to thank you for being on the show tonight and also to congratulate you on the award you just got from the ADAP Association. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be recognized for your work, but I always say that for every person that gets recognized by an award, there's a thousand more that are not, but, but thank you. The, um, I, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit. Um, so you founded the Positive Living uh, Conference in 1997. Prior to Correct. that, what got you involved with, you know, obviously you're very passionate about HIV and AIDS advocacy and work. What was that the catalyst for that? What made you want to be, you know, where you, where you are and the work you're doing? Because it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the early days of the epidemic, Growing up in Birmingham, Alabama, I had not really been touched by it. I would see the newscast about, and it was always San Francisco or New York or some major city where there was a problem, so I didn't put a lot of emphasis on it, didn't think about it a lot, until <clears throat> my best friend, who um, was sort of the love of my life. I mean, we were never partners or anything, but we had this just very unique connection as individuals, and and I don't think I've ever had that connection with anyone else since or, or before that. And uh, I learned that uh, he had moved to Denver and 
And I was still living in Alabama at the time that I found out that he was HIV positive. Uh, <clears throat> I found out in December of 88. Uh, had planned to go out to see him in March of 89 when he called me. His mother had died in December, and that's how I was trying to get connected with him to express my sympathies and to see if he needed anything. And then I found out he didn't come to his mother's funeral. And I called his sister, and she said he was in the hospital with pneumonia. And all of a sudden, that just clicked. And so that's how I found out about his status. I called him, and, and after that, we talked every week. And uh, so when I was going out to see him in March, he called and said not to come, that his father had died. And so he was coming to Birmingham. So I met him at the church. And it was one of those things, you know, I, I didn't know enough about HIV and AIDS, and I felt uncomfortable talking about it. And he knew that, and after the funeral, he drove me out to the airport so I could get a refund on my ticket. And uh, he said, you don't want to talk about my having AIDS. And I says, no, let's talk about something else. And he says, no, we're going to talk about this. And I said, I don't want to. And he <laughs> said, we're going to talk. And he was crazy. His name was Tivis, and that should tell you something. With a name like Tivis, you got to be crazy. But <laughs> he, he, was, he was a unique person, to say the least. He actually stopped the car in the middle of the interstate. Not pull off the road, but right in the middle of the lane, and said, "I'm not moving this car until you agree to talk to me." And uh, he said, "You're having a problem with my having AIDS, and I need to help you." And then I just lost it and broke down crying because, you know, I thought it was my place to help him, and I didn't know right. how. And yet here he was going to help me. And uh, so before we got hit, everybody's blowing the horn at us and. So I got him, to, got him to pull off, and we had about an hour and a half conversation beside the interstate. And then that afternoon when we went back to his sister's house, and he was getting ready to to leave uh, that evening. And so as uh, my partner and I were leaving to come home, you know, he reached over and hugged me and kissed me on the cheek and said, I, I know you want to be there for me, and I'm not coming back home. I'm going to stay in Denver. I've got a support network there, and uh, and then he tells me this story about, and I didn't believe him at first, you know, that people were getting kicked out of their homes by their families, they were losing their jobs, and all the horrible stories that were going on that I wasn't even aware of, and so uh, he said, I want you to promise me something, and I said, what? And he says, I want you to promise that you'll be there for at least one person and make a difference in their life, and uh, so I did, and that was 25 years ago, and I'm I'm still there, still trying to make that difference, I guess. And it certainly has been the most rewarding career change I ever went through in my life when I gave up private business and everything to get involved in HIV. But that's what friends are for. You make promises and you keep them. And he knew that, and he knew if I made that promise that it would be to help more than just one person, and he knew that about me, so... That's where it all so started. Really, <laughs> real, really tough question. Um, how many times when you're at these conferences, so obviously this is the 16th year, you get people from around the world that are newly diagnosed or maybe those who have been living with HIV um, at various stages, maybe they're in, uh, they have an AIDS diagnosis. How many of those do you see your friend? When you look them in the face, when you talk to them, when you have an interaction, that you remember that story that you just recounted for us, and thank you for sharing with us. I know that those experiences uh, are not easy. But how many do you see 
that you have that interaction and you think back to that day when you're on the side of the road and the horns are blowing and your friend refused to not let you deal with it. And right. he wanted you, he wanted to help you, you know, get to that next level. I, you know, that's just a question that came to my mind whenever I'm, you were talking I mean, it, it just happens all the time. Right. I mean, more frequent. I, I had never counted, but, you know, now that you mention it and I stop to think, yeah, uh, you know, and I see him and everybody a little bit, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and I try to share his strength and tell, you know, because I know how strong he was, and I, I know that sometimes they're afraid and scared at at that time in their life. And I try to, you know, share that story and share other stories of people and just introduce them to people that tell their own stories. You know, that's the most powerful thing you can do is share your story with someone. So. But you you got this idea in 1997. Um, you were just you know struggling to to want to do something, and so you probably like most uh, people who who start things. You had this crazy notion that hey we're going to put together this positive living conference series, and um, tell us about the progression of that conference. Uh, okay, well it didn't happen years. overnight. I'll be honest with you. Back in 1992, five years before I had the first Positive Living Conference, I went to South Florida, to Sarasota. There used to be a great, fantastic conference that ran for 13 years called AIDS Minnesota. And it was a consumer, client-based conference, and a lot of the speakers were HIV positive. And it was just such a unique experience. And I came from the part of the state. There was no information, no education, no anything, you know, we were getting less per per patient than anybody in the state uh, for medical care. We didn't have any doctors. We had, you know, we didn't even have Ryan White at my agency at the time I started the conference. You know, we were just uh, operating strictly on humanitarian funds raised by the gay bar. And uh, but after going to that conference, it was so empowering. I came back home and I said, you know, we got to have something like this in North Florida. And uh, the agency I worked for at the time would have no part of it. And so in 96, when Oasis offered me a job to come be their executive director, I put a stipulation. I said, only if I can put on a conference, and I want to call it Positive Living. And, well, at the time, we had an agency budget of $32,000. And they said, go for it if you can, but, you know, we're not going to give you any money because we don't have any. It'll be your responsibility to raise all the funds to put it on. So I accepted that deal, and it happened, and, uh, you know, and it's been happening ever since then. Uh, one of the unique stories that came out of that first conference was uh, one of the regular speakers at uh, AIDS Minnesota every year was Martin Delaney. And so I connected with Marty and I called him and I said I want to put this conference on similar to AIDS Minnesota and asked him if he would speak and at first he checked his schedule and said yeah I guess I can do that and then I asked him what his fees were and he told me and I there was a gasp I said I can't pay that <laughs> you know and it's not that the fees were him at that time a lot of speakers had some very hefty honorariums but it went to their foundations to support it that's how they got most of their money because right. none of the money ever went to Marty. It went to Project Inform. You know, but so finally he agreed to come for $500 and for his airfares, you know, so which was very cheap 
because Marty was speaking all over the world at the time at very, you know, substantial honorariums that was supporting his organization. And But after the conference, two weeks later, he calls me and he says, I have a proposition for you. And I said, what's that? And he says, I will come every year for the exact same price as long as you have the conference, if you'll let me. And I said, let you? Absolutely. And but the reason he said he said he had never been to a conference where people were so hungry for information. He said it just blew me away, and he said I need to be there to give them that information, and I want to be a part of this. It changed his lives, and so he came every year, but one when he had a heart attack two weeks before the conference, and then of course we lost Marty a few years ago to hepatitis, and. Uh, the year that he was supposed to have been at the conference the last time before he died, he had planned this workshop called uh, The Power of One to demonstrate how just one person can make an impact and a difference. And he was going to chronicle his life history and HIV and AIDS movement. And CNN was going to be there to film it and document it. And three months before the conference, I lost all contact with him and uh, finally was able to get up with somebody at Project Inform to find out he was in the hospital and probably had a week left to live. And so I, you know, quickly sent some messages to him and and everything. But since he wasn't there to do that workshop, every year now we honor him with the Power of One HIV AIDS Advocacy Award. So that's, you know, something you mentioned earlier in y'all's opening comments about history this year's conference mm-hmm. is going to focus a good bit on, first of all, history and then advocacy because with the affordable health care, everybody's still in the dark. We're going to have a lot of trainings and workshops about how all this is going to mesh and intertwine and sort of to ease people's fears, I guess. But it was amazing because this past weekend I was in Daytona Beach doing a, a workshop, and when I mentioned uh, if anybody knew who, Martin Delaney or Larry Kramer, and that was people had not heard of those. And you know, and I, I told him, I said, well, write these two names down because you would not be here today if it wasn't for these two gentlemen. And it's important that we build on the past so that we're guaranteed a future. And uh, so there will be. And y'all mentioned Dab Gardner. He's going to do a history piece for me of his life from back to '81. You know, look, his that enough. That that enough is to, is a reason to go to this conference, <laughs> you know. Just just getting to hear all about Dab's life, you know. From oh wow, that would be incredible. That's a wow. And one other history piece: Have you seen the movie We Were Here? Yes. We're yes, going to show that, and Ed Wolf, who stars in that movie, is going to be here to do a workshop around it. Wow. So, you know, I I, I guess. You know, when we start thinking about where we are today, because there's a lot of murmuring and echoing in the community that HIV and AIDS is no longer an issue or that it's it's now a manageable disease. We now have these um, fixed drug regimens, you know, the atripolas and stribals and so forth. Just, you know, speak to it for a few seconds about how you've seen the progression of this disease over 16 years. 25 well, 25 to 16 for the conferences, right? Yeah. But you, so you've been you've been an activist and advocate since this thing started. You know, give us your take. You know, are things improving? 
uh, you know, is are, is this just overblown that people are saying, oh, HIV is still an issue, and that we still need to be, you know, advocating for for a cure and so forth? What are your thoughts on these things? Okay, uh, certainly the advances you can't deny. <clears throat> I mean, I lived through the days when you know the the hardest thing you had to do every day was go to funerals, and I mean every day. You know, I used in a former life, a long time ago. Let's won't get into that, but I was a minister. So oftentimes I got called on to do the memorial services. I remember one week where I did seven, three in one day. So have things gotten better? Certainly. I think in my agency, uh, I mean, we still lose people, and we lost two last year. But, you know, that used to be every week you would lose that many people. And uh, so there's no denying that, you know, research has been – that's the reason I'm such a research junkie because I know if we're going to ever – find a cure or vaccine, and, you know, to put this disease behind us. It's going to be from the research field. So that's the reason I'm in, so heavily involved and have been for years on that <clears throat> avenue because that's where I see the most promise. But I think there is apathy, re, you know, that we have gone through. I said in my little history on the Activate You program we do, I talk about the difference in activism and advocacy and how in the beginning we had the activist, and then we started getting things we needed and really for years just went along the advocacy row. And then when we got everything, we stopped advocating and became apathetic. <laughs> so wow. it's time to bring not only advocacy back, but it's certainly time that we do you know, the activist part too. There needs to be some civil disobedience or, you know, I hate to say it that way, but, I mean, you know, it does help. We have to right, coordinate I, the I, activist I and the advocacy together, though. I definitely agree. And, uh, you know, I, Robert and I, uh, you know, we met last year uh, during the International AIDS Conference um, uh, and were, you know, activists and advocates from around the world converged on D.C. for the first time in 20, I believe, 21 years, 22 years since the lifting of the um, – the, uh, the ban allowing those with HIV to enter the country. But, you know, you have Robert, who uh, the so-called cyber activist. I love that term every time I hear Robert say it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, uh, you know, because I have all my tattoos and I wouldn't be the typical person. Um, but you have to be a person that's able to have a bullhorn when that's needed, but then also be able to put on a suit and tie and talk to politicians or lobby your legislators. Um, you, you're, you're right. We have to have a marriage of the two, and that's the changing face of activism. You know, and Larry Kramer and Martin Delaney was the perfect example of that. Most of the government officials, FDA officials, didn't even know the two knew each other. But when Larry Kramer was chaining himself to the gates of the FDA, splattering blood and that on the White House fence and all of the radical things he was doing to get attention, it got attention, and people knew they had to talk to somebody. They did not want to talk to Larry Kramer. There was no way they could sit across the table for fear of having something thrown at them. <laughs> you know, They weren't going to do that. But here was the master plan because it had already been worked out. In walks Martin Delaney, who had been a fifth-grade school teacher that was soft-spoken, very scientific, self-trained, though, uh, individual that could talk all the science to any scientist, any principal investigator, and then come back home and put that in layman's term for the rest of us. So that was a perfect marriage, you know. 
Larry got the attention and Martin got the message <laughs> delivered and uh it worked beautifully and uh we've got to continue to work together like that. Sometimes we criticize each other way too much, you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, uh, Eddie Hamilton uh, from Ohio, he said something that I want to get your thoughts on. You know, he basically said that uh, many times today's generation of HIV patients, so I would say that's myself included, I was diagnosed um, in 2011 on June 6th, but that today's um, generation of those living with HIV are living on the coattails of a previous generation who were fighting literally for their lives. And that a newer generation has to make some strides for their for themselves. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, and the ones that were fighting in the early days weren't just fighting for themselves; they were fighting for everybody. And while society just you know lumped us all as just gay men at the time, mm-hmm. that wasn't the case, and we were the first to know that. And we were the one. I can remember when funeral homes wouldn't do funerals and. It would be the gay guys that would come together to do the burial and memorial services for straight kids or straight adults that had died, you know. And uh, we saw it early on and responded. Not, And that was the beauty of it. It wasn't just about themselves. And, uh, you know, it was so much bigger than that. I've never seen such strength. People say, how do you continue to do this because the burnout rate's so high, you know. But I've buried mm-hmm. over 800 people, and they're not numbers. They're all people. These are people I knew their families. Hell, I even knew their dogs and often kept them, you know, <laughs> found homes for them or whatever, you know. They were they were my family, and uh, and they all still live in my heart. It's kind of crowded, but they, they're all still there. <laughs> I can close my eyes and see all of them. <laughs> and so, you know, you know you it's just, actually... That makes me think what you just said. For those that are in the chat room or that you're listening, uh, and maybe you're not familiar with Larry Kramer, I would encourage you to go out and to um, look him up. But the, he published an article in The Voice, um, and that it was titled, I believe, 1121 or something like that, and counting. Anyway, and, and the gist of that article was, you know, basically by the time that article would be published, most of the people in that story would be dead. And and so things have changed, things have improved, but, you know, gee, we, we have a long way to go, right? Oh, yes. You know, it's so, just, sometimes we get complacent to where we're at, and uh, but, you know, it's, not, it's still here. And, uh, you know, we don't know long-term what resistance is going to be and medications that seem to be working exceptionally well right now. You know, 20 years from now, is that still going to be the case? <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of unknowns still. You know, right. Butch, when you, talk about, when you talk about the history, um, how, you know, the gay community really came together and, and, and helped and, and acted as a community for not only those that were gay, but those that were straight and were living with HIV and their families, you know, that community, like, do you feel that that community has now shifted their, you know, kind of their, their views and their focus? off of HIV and AIDS and on to, to gay and marriage equality, kind of like one of the topics Aaron brought up earlier. Do you feel that that is kind of happening? Oh, definitely. I mean, I've been saying this for, for many years. In fact, if you go back, I think it's even on our website, Positive Living 14, Michael Rayner did an interview with me for the gay press talking about 
that very issue, you know. And I, I said before I was an AIDS activist, I was an activist in the LGBT community. I had served on the board of directors for the last big march, the 2000 march on Washington, and you know, spent two years going around the country, finding out what the community was thinking and what they wanted on the platform. And even that board of directors at the time was focused on the military, marriage, adoption. And if it hadn't been for, I don't know if you know Dwayne Kramer out in San Francisco and uh, Troy Perry and myself, the three of us was determined that we were going to have HIV and AIDS on the platform because there was people that said, you know, this has defined our community too long. We're tired of being just defined as the AIDS community. We're so much more than that. Why, yes, but you can't turn your back on the one thing that has more impact even to this day on the community than anything else. You know, and so I'm excited to see that a lot of people are bringing pressure to the LGBT organizations to bring HIV back to the table and to have more focus on it. Yeah, one of the things I did want to... Go ahead, Aaron. No, I'm going to uh, 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 Robert. <laughs> you were going to call me Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I'm uh, I, I'm astounded anytime, and this is just a you know uh, just a side note. You know, if it say the Tonys, the Tonys just uh, recently um, were on TV, and you know, many many years ago, you would see award shows and you would see celebrities and Hollywood. And it was nothing to see ribbons on everybody. Right. Now there's ribbons for everybody. Um, and now if we can get one celebrity or two celebrities to actually wear a red ribbon, um, that is, you know, headline news. You know, like it's very surprising. I think that's a, a state of where we're at uh, in the movement that it's just we've become so lackluster, for lack of better words. We've become lazy. <laughs> True. Uh to to a degree, you know, and I'm not going to put down any of these other issues. They're all important, but we've got right. to make room to keep HIV and AIDS in the forefront. I mean, marriage equality is huge. I've been with the same partner 36 years. We're not allowed to marry in Florida. So, you know, it's uh, something I'm passionate about and a lot of the issues I'm passionate about, but God. Those issues aren't taking our lives. They may be denying us things, but it's not costing us our lives, and HIV and AIDS is costing lives. Right. That's the way I look at it. At the end of the day, if you're not alive to get married, what's the point? Right. You know True. what I mean? So, <laughs> so, so real quick, um, we're actually at the bottom of the hour. We have about 20 minutes left of the show. Um, if you'd like to call in and share your experience at the Positive Living Conference or have a question or a comment for Butch, you can call us at 347 215 Nine four four two and press one uh, to let us know you want to come on air. Um, Butch, I want to talk a little bit about how this conference almost didn't happen this year, and what somebody can do who's listening to help make this conference continue. Okay, uh, it's getting very difficult to raise funds. You know, it used to be a given you could get. When I first started Positive Living, ninety percent of my budget came from pharmaceutical companies. Now maybe 10% comes from pharmaceutical. So far this year, I've gotten a commitment from one and a verbal commitment from another, uh, rejections from two others. Uh, You know, so it makes it more difficult 
to raise funds. When I first started this conference, we didn't even charge registration or anything, you know, because the whole purpose was to reach. One of the things, another another thing that people refer to our conference, it's the poor man's conference. We reach the people that are so desperate for the information they can gain at this conference, but yet there are people that can't afford to go to USCA or they can't afford to go to other conferences that might be, you know, close enough that they might could drive even, but registrations being as high as they are in hotels and, you know, so we wanted to make this conference affordable for the people that needed it the most. It originally started out just our local clients in North Florida who had never been to a conference, and then it sort of took on a life of its own, and now last year we had, uh, I think, 22 states and Caribbean represented some years we have 25 states represented, Africa. we got somebody coming from Africa this year. Uh, you know, so it's grown, but uh, the money has not – everybody's passionate about it, but nobody wants to give money anymore. That's That's been our, been our problem, and that's the reason in March, one of the things, all the pharmaceutical companies now you have to apply online. They don't just, you can't go through a rep anymore. It's basically their online grant system. You can't apply until the start of the year. And with the conference being in March and you're not putting that application in until January 1, they have up to 90 days to give you an answer. So I know last year there was some grants I didn't know about until the very week of the conference if they had been approved and for how much. And so that that's kind of nerve-wracking. So. So since so you we were knew there wasn't going to be the money there, we moved it to September. <laughs> and I think people really do not understand how desperately needed these conferences are, especially this conference. That if this conference were to go away, you know, go away, not that it's going to go away, but recognizing that we have to, we have to help raise the money, we have to help, you know, fund this thing. That if this were to go away, a lot of people would be in dire straits because they wouldn't have the support and the information. Is that something you would agree with? Oh, definitely. That's the reason I'm so passionate about keeping it going. You know, it's just uh, that, and now that the connections people make. I mean, you know, we tell people the first time they come, uh, when you go home, you're you're no longer a conference virgin. You're an ambassador, and we've never spent a dime on advertising this conference, it's sold itself through the people that attend. They're the ambassadors. They're the one. They're asked to go home and bring five of their friends next year. And it's amazing how many do that. So we've never had an advertising budget, never had to, you know. I guess being on your show is about the only advertisement we do. And, and of course, you don't charge me for that, so thank you. (laughs) But uh, but it, it it does, and this year it bothered me that we had to increase the registration a little bit, and we're having to cut back on the hours a little bit to save some money. In the past couple of years, it started first thing Friday morning, so we allowed everybody to come in on Thursday night. But this year, due to a reduced budget, we're going to start the conference with an opening banquet on Friday night. It'll be all day Saturday and end at like 1230 on Sunday. Uh, but if for people that come a long distance, because we have people that drive from Missouri, Indiana, Delaware, you know, just everywhere, 
we can still allow them to come in on Thursday. Now it's at their expense, but we let them use the conference rate and go through us so they get the tax exempt rate as well. So registration this year for someone HIV positive is going to be $100, and that covers their hotel for uh, Friday night and Saturday night. Now, if they want to pay 150 they can have Thursday night as well. Even though we don't have anything planned for Thursday night or during the day uh, Friday, but for people that want to come in and need a little vacation, we're right there on the beach, so they have all day to enjoy the beach. And in September, the weather is much better than it is in March because even if you've been there in March, you could go walk on the beach, but you weren't going to get to go swimming or anything. <laughs> so, what are some of the, uh, you know, for for me, a first time uh, conference goer? What are some of the things I can expect to some of the workshops? And I know that there's there's still abstracts pending, um, so you may not you know be able to answer that to the best of what you will be able to closer to the conference time. But what are some of the experiences, some of the workshops that that we will be able to partake in? Okay. Uh, like I said, there will be a, a strong component on advocacy. We'll have workshops on the Affordable Care Act. We'll have workshops on Medicaid, uh, so, you know, all the different social programs, an update on Ryan White and where we stand with it merging with the other programs, what impact. You know, we have a lot more answers by September than we do today. Uh, we will also have our usual lineup of things. We'll, we'll have workshops around mental health issues, substance abuse, uh, treatment options. You know, we always have somebody come and give the latest information that was presented. Usually with it being in March, we were the very first conference that got the information from the CROI conference each year. They would come straight from CROI to Positive Living, and we'd be the first in the country to get that information. But we will still be doing a treatment update. Uh, you know, there's we always have things around family. We have women's issues. Uh, a lot of times the university will be working with us. They haven't decided what they'll be doing this year as far as they do our focus groups on things like stigma, discrimination, disclosure, uh, and then we talked earlier that uh, we'll have Ed Wolf there and we'll have Dab Gardner there, and they will be doing a bit of the history uh, to update, particularly people new to the diagnosis, to know all the struggles that's gone on before. And so, you know, it's time for you to join that struggle now <laughs> and, and help us, you know, create your own legacy. Right. And we no, also would like to remind. Go ahead, uh, Robert. No, go ahead. I would just like to say, you know, for those of those, uh, those of you who maybe reached out to Butch, um, you know, you need to remember that Butch is a very busy person, um, and uh, and that Butch replies to emails and phone calls as, as quickly as he can. Um, but the, putting on one of these conferences is a very cumbersome task, and uh, so we just want to remind people that uh, you know that that the patience patience will go a long way when. <laughs> when working with uh, those that are trying to put together a conference like this. Yeah, and everybody's been extremely uh, polite and understanding this year. I've talked every day. I've probably talked to 10 or 15 people on an average, and uh, I figured we'd get a lot of uh, concern about the $25 increase in registration. But everybody's been very understanding of that and hasn't been the problem that I thought it might create 
there's been a few people that I know it's a hardship, and we, you know, if if, if you can't pay the full hundred dollars, talk to me. We'll work something out, a payment plan or, or whatever. But just know that for the hundred dollars you pay, the my staff is having to put in another two hundred and something for you to cover the rest of the cost. So, uh, and, and I think people are appreciative of that, and they understand the economy. And but if they want information, they can you know certainly email. They can go to our website or or, or give me a call. Um, okay, with any of those three options. Well, uh, our website. People, people can contact you through the website. Uh, yes, there's, they can. I get questions asked through the website a good bit. They come in and I send them an email back. And the website's uh, www.aidsoasis.org. That's all run together. A i d s o a s i s dot org, and click on the event button. It'll take you to the positive living page. Uh, if you want to email me, that's AIDS Oasis and the number one AIDS Oasis one at aol dot com, and our agency number is area code eight five zero three one four zero nine five zero. There you have it. So you can contact Butch um, through any of those outlets. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. I do see that we have a caller or two. Let's see, area code nine zero four. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Robert. It's Dad. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you making out, Dad? I'm doing great. Hey, Butch. How are you? Hey, Dad. We talk about you a lot tonight. <laughs> I, I was listening. I was listening. Oh. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I want to let everyone know that if they've never been to a positive living conference or or a consumer HIV conference, it's one of the most empowering. Um, it, it's like for gay men the first time they go to a gay pride. It's this feeling of community. It's a feeling of belonging and a great place to get information. Secondly, I have to applaud Butch because just pulling off a conference like this in our economic times requires Butch working round the clock for over a year to make sure we have the funding. And this is one of the last consumer conferences for people with HIV. So huge kudos to you for all your hard work. Thank you. And that of your staff. And thirdly, all the issues that will be brought up at this conference are things that we're dealing with not only as a community but as activists and advocates. So this helps people go back to their community and be able to deal with their politicians and elected officials so that we can continue to have funding to help our community. Yeah, that's one of our strong things. Uh, advocacy is the number one on our list. And I heard you mention earlier, Aaron, about the International AIDS Conference. I don't know if you went to the opening session or not, but Oasis, my agency, was featured in the opening video. And the tagline as it opened was that we had trained 2,200 HIV-positive advocates over a two-year period. You know, we believe in people giving them their voice and, and sending them out. And for many people, after positive living, uh, in Florida, we had a thing two years ago where they were going to lower the federal poverty level from 400% to 
Well, they've had four different meetings around the state, and the overwhelming majority of people that attended had attended our Activate You at Positive Living. And I know in Tallahassee we took 275 people. They were expecting 63 and had a room that size for 63 people. And so we had to do it in shifts and was there all day. But all 275 people got up and spoke and told how that would impact their lives. And I would say for probably 250 of those 275, it was the first time ever to publicly speak and disclose their status, first of all, but then to powerfully speak on how it would affect their lives. And as a result, we're still at 400%. So advocacy works and the tools that people can get at this conference and mainly the strength they get from each other is amazing. You know, we have hit several times uh, during this interview that advocacy and activism, we still have to, you know, it's still a very uh, much-needed issue just to give people, if maybe they're not aware, under sequestration that took place in the early spring, I believe March, um, you know, the domestic HIV and AIDS funding, um, we saw cuts of around $650 million. um, And sequestration is still in effect. And so I think when we start talking about funding and every AIDS service organization around the country is really grasping and uh, and so that's why it's so important for all of us to stand up and let our voices be heard. So thank you for, for what you're doing with training and, and allowing people's voices to be heard, uh, Butch, and Dad as well. I agree. Because, you know, we, we're talking about activism and we were speaking about the front lines and going to the congressman and, and the White House and putting on a suit and tie. And, you know, not everybody is comfortable with that, and some people are just comfortable with just writing letters or picking up the phone call and making a, you know, a call to their local congressperson instead of, you know, putting themselves out there. So I don't want to make it seem like that going and being out loud out there is more important or more needed. Those phone calls and emails are just as important as putting yourself on the front line. And if that's all that you can do, you know, that's still the kind of activism that we need because I think it's important we, that we highlight And we do training around that. <laughs> yes. I think you know, it's important that people – Letter writing. So this is a conference that people can go to and, and actually be recharged and become more empowered and more confident in, in living with HIV. I mean, that's been my experience. And, you know, and one other thing I'll, I'll say, and then if somebody wants to call in, it's another thing we do every year is take time to remember those we've lost. And we try to do something different and special each year, and I know last year we did the heart circle on the beach, and I think that of all the things we've done over the years, that probably had the greatest impact on people's lives. That was incredible, Butch. I felt so, I don't know, like in tune with people, and it was it was a nice way to remember people, and I remembered a few people, you know, uh, my cousin and somebody who passed away uh, from my support group, you know, when, when, the, when the stone was in my hand, but... It was so empowering to be there with other people. And I, when I looked to my right, I mean, Melissa Baker was there with her kids. And, you know, people weren't just there by themselves. They had their family and husbands who supported them or wives. You know what I mean? It was, it was just, it made me feel like a family. And that actually was my favorite part. Because the previous yeah, those year little, we did, I, yeah, those little girls that spoke about losing their parents, you know, and, 
It was really yeah. touching. <laughs> it was so that was emotional. my like <laughs> as weird as it sounds, but that was like my favorite part, connecting yeah. with people on that level and, and being able to share, you know, about people that we lost. And when we left the prayer circle or the, the heart circle, you know, conversations went on and broke out about the loved ones that we mentioned and who they were and, and why they meant so much to us. And I think those are the types of things that no other conference has done for me. Well, we, I, have, I know we, that's have to, we have to remember, we have to remember just like, uh, Butch, what you were telling, you know, initially at the, at the top of the hour and you were talking about, you know, your dear friend um, who pulled you alongside the highway and, and said, no, Butch, you know, we're going to talk about this. You know, it's, and when we remember people, when we remember their memories, we honor them. And, and I think that is something that far too often um, we don't take, a, take enough time to do. We, we have to take time to remember where we've come from and where we're going as a movement. I, I agree on that. I just want to go. We have actually two callers on hold, so I just want to get to them real quick because we have, like, four minutes or less than that. 954, you're on there. Who's this? Hi, it's RJ Hamby in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. Hey, Bush, kudos on your hard work there. We're, we're neighbors, sort of, uh, for people living around the country. We live in other, other parts of the state. But I never heard of this conference before. Although oh, I've so. been an advocate. Yeah, I knew I work in, in HIV here in Fort Lauderdale, the Pride Center, and I'm with the Facilitators of Life Program. And on the board of directors of a national organization of positive people who raise money by cycling around the country or actually around the world, uh, too. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this before. Oh, really? Do you participate I'm, in the Smart Ride? I definitely am. Oh. Ride number two two three. Need money. <laughs> okay. Well, they <laughs> awarded us ten thousand dollar grant from this year's thing that's going great. to the conference. <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah, we just started doing that. The, the small grants around the state for things like that. New right. Museum got a grant. Other people got yeah, a cool award. Well, for our staff, people, the five prize centers got funded this year from Smart Ride. One of the neat things about this is the only ride around the country that actually people get to donate half the money they raise to different organizations they choose. But let's not talk about that. This conference sounds pretty cool. I'm looking to getting time off to do this. Okay, and I don't think have we, given the, have we given the dates. I don't remember. It's uh, September the 27th, 28th, it, and 29th. It is on your website. I pulled it up real quick. I found okay. it. I was on your website. wasn't the most convenient, but September... 27th, 27th 28th, 28th, and 29th. Yep, with your Right. Cool. You're, you're, you're eight hours and 45 minutes away from me by driving. Yeah, I just this drove to Miami and back last month. <laughs> yeah, this is a long-ass state. Sorry, long state. <laughs> uh, I, I actually, um, I have to let you go. We actually have two minutes left, and I have one more caller I want to get to before the show ends. So I'll I want to thank you for calling in. Before the CNF September, Bruce. I look forward to at the conference. Go, Butch. Bye. Yes. Yes, I, we will all be there, so I look forward to uh, meeting you as well. Area code 713, you're on the air. You have uh, about a minute. Who's this? No, this is Tracy from uh, Texas. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Tracy. Hey. You got, hey, you got like 30 also, seconds, Tracy. Okay, I was just going to add that for people that have never been before, don't worry about feeling alone. A couple of years ago was my first year there, and after about five minutes, I think I knew everybody in the place. So they don't have to worry about being alone. They're going to meet some of the best people they can in the world there. That's true. In, That's true. Anyway, I'll let y'all go and looking forward to seeing you in September. Thank you. All right, Tracy, you have a great night. Okay, y'all too. Thank you. 
Thank Tracy's been helping me raise money. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Tracy, for that. So, but again, uh, the dates are the 27th to the 29th of September. It's in Fort Walton Beach. Um, it's an amazing conference. Uh, what is the website where people can contact you once again? Uh, www.aidsoasis.org. There you have it. Butch McKay, thank you so much for all the work that you do and for joining us for this hour. And I look forward to seeing you in September, and our abstract will be in soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you, and thank you, Aaron. Hi. Good luck, uh, Butch, and we will see you in September. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, we're going to try to get something to work, Aaron, where we can broadcast live uh, maybe a show from the conference itself and take like questions from the people there. Um, maybe. We'll try to do that. So, uh, Aaron, please give out your information where people can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com, Aaron Laxon. Facebook is uh, Facebook Aaron Laxon, and then My HIV Journey on YouTube. There you go. For more information on my sh- myself and past guests and shows, you can go to www.posim.org. Have a great night, everybody. Aaron, I'll talk to you next week, man. Have a good week. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.